All right. Well, good morning. Welcome everybody here, everybody online. Uh, in case you wonder what that mass exodus was about 10 minutes ago, that's the young people. And that's a good thing. To have a church full of young people is a good thing. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that was cool. Because I know some people are looking like, where's everybody going? You know, I figured like food was served early or something, you know. So, Well, um, How's everybody doing? It looks like people are tired. It's been a long week. Well, this is the beginning of the week, you know, and I kind of look at all those tired faces. I think you either really need to like do jumping jacks or the chicken song or something, <laughs> you know, to get everybody all fired up. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's finally, it's my favorite time of year. I like waking up when you need like a, a sweatshirt, but by, you know, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, it's off, and the rest of the day is beautiful. This is my weather. I would take this, like, forever, you know. Uh, people say, well, you get bored. Okay, I'm willing to take that risk. Uh, <laughs> I hate it when it goes from really hot summer to really cold winter. You know, I just, like, you miss the fun part in the middle. Um, so anyway, well, as you know, we're going through a series of psalms. Um, and today we're going to look at uh, Psalm 107. And Psalm 107 um, is kind of an amazing psalm. It's super deep. Um, it, it addresses all the struggles of life. And it, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about the, the, the people of Israel coming out of the Exodus. We're talking about the life of the, the Israelites throughout the Old Testament or in our own life. There's something that you can compare to as we go through this psalm. It's an it's, it's amazing psalm. Um, and the, um, it looks at situations where, you know, people, for instance, when they were in the Babylonian captivity and they're trapped and shackled, and, and, and yet there's, while we may not be, quote, shackled in the sense of that we're actually wearing, you know, shackles, but we all have our shackles. We have those things that weigh us down, those things that make it difficult for us to do. And there's times that we, we sit in the darkness, you know, and and, and it may not be physical darkness, but it's emotional darkness. Something's going on that's just laying heavy on you. And, and, um, and so this, this, this psalm is really kind of cool in that it, it, it gets into, um, you know, all these different facets of what we go to. I mean, it looks at, for instance, Israel when it's bowed its knee to other gods, right? Um, and God doesn't like that. Um, and so he, you know, gave them some situations that um, were a consequence of that, right? There's all these plagues that came on, and, um, and, and we tend to do the same thing. We worship our own false gods, right? With money or jobs or status or stuff. Um, I want to ask for a show of hands of how many people own stuff they didn't have time to maintain, you know? One of the things I hate the most about stuff is you have to maintain your stuff. You know, I have all these great tools, but I have to go out like every couple of months and start every gasoline engine I have. Otherwise, the carburetors will clog. I mean, so you do all this, this stuff that you got, and then you got to maintain this stuff. And so we create these burdens on ourselves because of our false gods, the stuff that we think is important. It's really not that important. Um, and then, of course, there's the, it talks about a boat in a raging storm. And so immediately we think of Jonah, right? Jonah and the boat and all that. Well, Jonah caused his own problem, you know? <laughs> so, you know, God said, go here. He said, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to get on this boat and run away. God said, good luck with that. Uh, big storm gets thrown in the water. Big fish eats him um, and uh, gets barfed up on the shore and ends up going to Nineveh anyway. And I'm like, wow, that had to smell good. 
you know, the, uh, spend three days in the belly of a fish. Um, you know, and then you look at Paul, right? Paul, same thing, it's in a raging storm, but he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's doing what God asked him to do, and he's still in a raging storm, you know? And so just because he, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to do doesn't mean you're not going to end up in some raging storm. And, and the, the cool part of all of this is that the answer to this is the same all the way through. God loves us and will deliver us from our troubles. Um, and in all cases, we are to thank him for that. Um, and you can see, I mean, I named this message, God loves us in spite of us. Uh, because so many times we create our own problem. You know, and it's like, okay, Lord, now that I've messed up and not done what you said, and I've got myself in this really difficult situation, come deliver me from it. <laughs> you know? And sometimes he's like, okay, I will. You won't like it, but I will. <laughs> You're not going to like how I fix this, but he'll do it. Um, so anyway, we could spend hours unpacking this psalm, uh, but since I know that you want to eat later, I won't. Um, I know you're all like going. So um, anyway, I encourage you to read this psalm when you've got time. It's a really deep psalm. I mean, it really has so many things about it that I really found really exciting. All right, some of the context of this thing. So first of all, the psalm is broken into six sections. Uh, the, the, the sections all are different sizes, but they have the same theme, right? Regardless of the situation, God, in his enduring love, loves his people and delivers them from their problems, regardless of the cost, right? There's four sections that start with, let them give thanks to the Lord and his loyal love and the amazing things he has done. And there's four sections that end with, they cry out to the Lord in their distress and he delivers them from their troubles. The first section starts a little differently. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his loyal love endures. And then the last section ends differently. Whoever is wise, let him take note of these things. Let them consider the Lord's acts of loyal love. Now, again, it's a long psalm. We're not going to have time to go through all the pieces of it. So I'm just going to hit some, some highlights. Um, but the, um, many of what happens in the struggles in this psalm um, are the people's own fault. They created the problem that they're in. Uh, some of it comes from outside sources, outside foes, um, but again, much of it is their own problem. Um, and it's these things that they did as they went through the, um, through the Old Testament. And it's interesting, for those that are musically inclined, this psalm actually has a um, structure. And, and I'm not a music person. Well, I love music, but I can't sing for a darn. But this has this... this you know, like um, song part, chorus, bridge, that kind of structure is in this psalm. It's really, um, it's really kind of, a, when you think of psalms being songs, this psalm is very song-like, I guess. I'm not sure that's a word. But the, um, so anyway, um, so again, we're going to look at this because it addresses struggles that we all have, men or women, um, and that God is willing to... Um, work on our part. Again, so that's why I titled it, you know, God loves us in spite of us. Because um, often we're the source of our own problems. Um, we create problems because we fail to do what we're instructed to do, or we do something that we were told not to do. Um, we call those sins of omission and sins of commission, right? So, of course, omission means that you didn't do something you were supposed to do. Commission means you did something that you shouldn't have done. Um, and so, while those troubles could be initiated by ourselves or could be initiated by God to bring our attention to something that needs to be fixed. 
uh, we talked about this uh, last week during the fifth Sunday, is that sometimes God can speak to you in a quiet voice and guide you along. Some of us, on the other hand, God speaks to us with a two by four. Um, We're just not quick on the uptake, and so he'll, you know, okay, let me get your attention here. You're missing this, right? And also, you know, some of our troubles can come from other people uh, with their sins of omission or commission, right? We're kind of in collateral damage of other people's sins. Um, If you've ever been hit by a drunk driver, you know what I'm talking about, right? You had nothing to do with it, and here you are, right? Same sort of thing. So we can have our lives impacted because of other people's sin. But in all of that, God will deliver us. All right. So, again, God loves us and will deliver us from our troubles. So let's get started. Verse 1 and 2. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his loyal love endures. Let those delivered by the Lord speak out, those whom he delivered from the power of the enemy. So verses 1 and 2 kind of set the stage for the rest of the psalm. Right? Since God is good, he has shown his enduring love to people throughout history, up to the present day, we should give thanks. We should be grateful that we have a God who loves us and cares for us and is willing to deliver us from our struggles. Um, it's important to appreciate that. Um, and those who have benefited from that love and power should speak out about it. Right? I always tell people, I say, you want to witness to people? Just share your testimony. You don't have to know some great methodology to guide people to Christ, you know, the Roman road or, you know, all these various things we used to do. Just share your testimony. Share your life. God has done amazing things in your life if you share that with people. And, and the interesting part about sharing your life with people is that they can't refute it, right? They can't say that didn't happen, right? Which people, you know, I don't believe the Bible. That's irrelevant. I, you know, this is what God's done in my life, right? So... Um, so again, we're those that have benefited from God's love and his power should speak out about it. Now, you would think this is a normal reaction, right? When somebody does something good for us or to us, what's our first reaction? Well, we'll thank them, be appreciative of it, right? And so we have this good and loving God that does stuff for us, um, and so our first reaction should be to thank him for it. But that isn't what we always do, right? And then we're not alone. The Israelites did the same thing, right? God was giving them manna, and what did they say? I want meat. (laughs) It's like you're eating the food of angels, and now you want, and what did he do? He buried them like waist deep in quail. I don't know if you've ever eaten quail, but it's a lot of work. Um, (laughs) They're really good, but they're a lot of work. Um, You know, and the, um, and I don't know if the quail were alive or dead when they showed up, because if they're alive and no shotgun, they had to be busy catching quail. Uh, Anyway, that's not the point, but the, um, so, we also have, you know, Moses goes up on this big scary mountain, right? Lightning, smoke. That would have been something to see, right? I've seen it, you know, like depicted in movies and stuff. And, you know, I just don't think that's going to match up to what actually was happening. That had to be like totally freaky, right? You know, and they're all like, eh, it's taking a long time. Let's go make a golden calf. You know, it's like, no, he's up there getting God's law and you're out here making calves. I mean, come on. You know, and so the, um, you know, you get the picture, right? So and we're no different with it. And, you know, the, um, it's our nature. Um, there's, a, there's a verse I, I struggle with. You might not be surprised by this. But Psalm 46.10 says, he says, stop your striving and recognize that I am God. Right? There's a, other translations will say, be still. 
Well, I don't know about you, but I am not good at being still. It's not my nature. Um, you know, anyone here feel like a human doing and not a human being? Yeah, we're busy. We're doing. We're doing. We're doing. We want to do. We don't want to sit around and wait. But that's what we're told to do, right? We're saying, "Hey, sit down and wait, and I'll give you an answer." You're like, "No, no, I got this." And he's like, "Okay, <laughs> this should be fun." You know? And so. Uh, we don't like waiting. We like fixing our own problems, and we like doing it on our own way. And quite often, we do something that we're not supposed to do. We do it wrong. Um, and um, again, like I said, I don't rest as I should. But God is God, and he's figured out that if he throws me in the hospital, I have to rest. And <laughs> it's, it's frustrating at times. I end up in the hospital, and I'm like, did you not see my schedule? And he's like, no, I did. That's why you're here. You know? <laughs> and, so, and I know Donna is totally frustrated with it. She goes, would you listen to him and stop doing this? You know, we, we joke. I've been in the emergency room so many times. She has free cryer miles. And uh, the, um, but it's because it's, it's, it's my nature. I just want to be busy, busy, busy. And he says, no, you're in this situation. Stop. Listen. Wait. And then act. And so interesting, we look through the Old Testament, we see all these times that they did what they thought was right, and it didn't go well. Um, and never believe God shows up and saves them, but, you know, it doesn't go well. Um, all right, so, again, uh, we're supposed to wait for him, wait to do, move forward, be still, but that's not what we do. Guilty as charged. Um, it's waiting. In fact, at times I feel guilty resting. Um, you know, I, it's I like I record sports so I don't have to watch commercials and I can watch fast forward between the plays. So you can take like a game that takes two and a half hours and get it down to 30 minutes, you know, and you got all the highlights. And the cool part is if it's recorded, if you really like the play, you can watch it twice. Um, can't do that in real life. So anyway, let's go on. Verse three to five. And gathered from foreign lands, from east to west, from north and south, they wandered through the wilderness in a wasteland. They found no road to the city in which to live. They were hungry and thirsty. They fainted from exhaustion. So obviously in these verses, there's a clear reference to Exodus, right? This idea of them, you know, coming out of uh, 400 years of slavery in, in Egypt only to do the Exodus and, um, you know, leave Egypt, go through the Sinai Desert to the land of Canaan. Now, it's interesting because the journey to go from Egypt to Canaan should take about 47 days based on, you know, how they were traveling and the distances involved. But it took them 40 years. Why? Because they were disobedient. They didn't do what God said. And God, they paid for their disobedience, right? Only two adults that started in Egypt ended up in Canaan, right? Joshua and Caleb. Only two that made it. All the rest didn't make it uh, because they were disobedient. Now, God carried through on his promise. He took his promised people to the promised land, but the disobedient ones didn't get to come. That's a pretty steep penalty. Um, but that's consequence. Even Moses, now I kind of feel bad for Moses. I mean, he went through all the stuff that he did. He gets all the way there. And then because he, I forget whether he spoke and he was supposed to hit the rock or he hit the rock, he was supposed to speak. But it's one of those things. He disobeyed. And when he did, God said, okay, you don't get to come. 
You get to look at it. I'll let you close enough. You can see where you could have gone, but you don't get to go now because I told you something and you didn't do it. I'm like, come on, rock. I mean, come on, it's water, right? So God said no. Be obedient. So unfortunately, we're no different. You know, I can't count the number of things that occurred in my life because I was disobedient to God. I didn't do what the Bible says I'm supposed to do. Uh, and it's clear. You know, this is the great instruction manual of life, right? The, like I say, basic instructions before leaving earth, Bible. Um, and there's things that says clearly, don't do that. And I did it anyway, and I had consequences. Or so it says do that, and I didn't, and I had consequences. They're all my fault. Um, but the solutions are the same regardless. Verse 6, they cried out to the Lord in their distress, and he delivered them from their troubles. So over and over and over again, and I do mean over and over again, we see in the Old Testament that the solutions to the problems for the Israelites was to recognize their sin, return to God, cry out to him, and he would deliver them. But again, the deliverance wasn't exactly what they were planning on, right? 40 years in the desert, 70 years of captivity in Babylon. Remember, the Assyrian captivity, most of the Israelites never made it back. We call it the, the 10 lost tribes. You know, the 10 tribes that went and none of them came back intact. Um, so some significant penalties. Um, but in verse 7, we see how God answered the cries regardless the struggles that we face in verses 4 and 5, right? He says, he led them on a level road that they may find a city in which to live, right? And that's a follow-on as they went into the promised land. He guided them to these cities that were already built. They occupied the land and the cities were already built. He provided for them just as he said they would if they followed him. If they obeyed him, he would provide for them. Um, and again, throughout the Psalms, throughout Jewish history, and I suspect much of our own history, um, life is better if we do what God says. Just works out better that way. Um, and again, Israel finds itself in a bad situation, either of its own making or because of outside sources, or particularly outside temptation, which is really a big thing in our world today, falling into the temptations of the world, and there's a ton of them, um, that they get themselves in trouble. Um, and then they lift up their cries, Lord hears them, rescues them, and all is better. But in many of these cases, all that returns is what's said, a remnant, right? If you look at the ones that went to Babylon, only a remnant returned. If you look at the situation with um, the, the, um, the battle with Baal and those that stayed with God versus those that rejected and went with Baal, only a remnant remained, right? He kept his own and the rest went away, right? So, um, Again, we see this pattern over and over again. And this psalm addresses so many of these, these issues contextually to Old Testament history, but that apply equally in our own lives. Um, and we see out through this that God loves us and will deliver us from our troubles. So I'm just going to kind of snapshot through the psalm because we don't have time to go through all the details in it. But we look at, in verses 8 through 14, it talks about being bound by chains and they sat in utter darkness because they rebelled against the God, against God. After, and then after crying out to the Lord, verse uh, 107, chapter, Psalm 107, verse 14 says, he brought them out of utter darkness and tore off their shackles. 
Um, in verses 15 to 20, they acted like fools in their rebellious ways and suffered because of their sins. They lost their appetite and drew near the gates of death. But crying out to the Lord, verse 20, he sent them an assuring word and healed them. He rescued them from the pits where they were trapped. Verses uh, 21 through 29, we read of men in sailing ships tossed about in a raging storm. Their strength is sapped, their knowledge is it, they're, they're ready to give up. Um, now, this is something I can relate to. This is kind of a funny story now that I lived through it. The, um, I, was, uh, I was on TY in Kadena. And if you know, Kadena is like an island out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean near Japan. And I wanted to do something fun. I had time off on the weekend. So I decide I'm going to go down to the local marina and rent an 18-foot aluminum boat and go fishing in the Pacific Ocean. Um, I know that sounds silly, but it gets worse. And so, the, um, so you know, I motor on out, and um, I'm out there in the ocean, and this huge storm blows up. And I am like, this is not good. You know, the, um, these huge storms, these huge waves are coming up, and literally times where I literally can't see anything but water. Have you ever been in the trough of a big wave, and all you see is water? And I'm in this little 18-foot outboard boat. And so um, I'm like, well, I should probably go in, because this is bad. And so fortunately, once you find land, you're good, because you can just find the harbor after that. So anyway, and it's pouring rain and lightning and all that wonderful stuff, and I'm, so I, I know the general direction. I see the island, and, and I know Kadena pretty well because I used to fly around there a lot. And so I knew where the harbor was, and I worked my way in, and I finally get in, and I, the way the wind's blowing, I managed to get the boat docked and tie it up, and I go into, this, into the area, you know, to, to you know, turn in the boat, and they're all exchanging money. And I, I asked the guy, he goes, what's going on? He goes, oh, I think you don't make it. It's like... You're betting against me. I mean, it was like, I was like, you know, I was like, but I, you know, I can relate to what it's like to be out in the middle of the ocean thinking this is really bad, you know, and fortunately it came out well. I have a reasonable knowledge of boats and how to handle big waves and stuff like that, but it was scary. And, and of course, you know, if, if something happened and you ended up getting tipped over out in the ocean, you're like getting found is a pretty low, especially in the middle of a storm, the likelihood of them finding you is pretty low. Um, so, yeah, I can relate to that. And, of course, um, you know, it's amazing how we are really good at prayer in situations like that. Um, but anyway, so we see what happens here. So they crafted to the Lord in verse uh, 29 and 30. It says, he calmed the storm and the waves grew silent. The sailors rejoiced because the waves were quiet and he led them to the harbor they desired. Um, and we see these repeated in verses, this patterns of God's people God's, and their actions and how God responds to those actions. Right? And while they apply specifically to events of the Old Testament, they also apply to our own lives. We all have those times in our lives that, you know, we're either literally or figuratively in a raging storm waiting for God to help us because we're just, life is so confusing, life is so going on that you just need a break. You know, I just, you're just lost, right? Um, so again, there's a beautiful picture as you go through the scriptures of God working, right? We think of Hagar and Ishmael out in the desert about to die of thirst, and God shows up and says, hey, no problem. I'm going to make you a great nation, right? Think of Samson. Now, if you want to think of somebody that really doesn't seem to have a lot of common sense, think about Samson, right? 
Um, and Delilah, I, that story, you keep going, why did you do that? You know, it's like, but anyway, he's in prison because of his own willfulness and stupidity. Miriam, stricken with leprosy, right, on account of her foolish presumption. And of course, Jonah, I mean, wow, you're like, gosh, you'd think you'd catch on. You know, God said, go to Nineveh. He said, I don't want to. Well, that's not your choice. So anyway, and so when you look at 107 and you look at the context and the way it's written, that applies to all of the Old Testament. And so it will help you when you're reading through these stories in the Old Testament um, that to understand that whole process, right? That whole process of rebellion, repentance, and, and restoration that, that is the the constant theme throughout the Bible in the Old Testament particularly. All right, so every case there's a cry out to the Lord, get me out of trouble, rescue me from this situation, even when it's my fault. <laughs> so, so anyway, the, um, the proper response, let's look at 31 and 32. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loyal love and for the amazing things he has done. Let them exalt in the assembly of the people. Let them praise him in the place where the leaders preside. Now, it's interesting here because what it says is regardless of how God resolves your issue, you should praise him. You should be grateful for the fact that God has stepped in and resolved your issue. Even when at times it seems like you don't like the way he did it, right? And honestly, that's the case, right? There are times that God says, okay, I'll fix this. You're not going to like it, but I'll fix it. And so it's because he's God. Um, and there's a lesson to be learned as we go through things, right? Um, and it seems kind of counterintuitive. We would like God to solve things the way we want them solved. But that's not how it works. Yeah, he's going to solve them the way he thinks they should be worked out. And we can see how he does that. When we look at verses 33 and 34, it says, He turns streams into deserts, springs of water into arid land, and a fruitful land into a barren place because of the sin of its inhabitants. When God's people do wrong things, when they disobey, bad things happen, right? We see bad things happening. Fruitful land becomes a desert, right? Land that could have been well watered with streams and flows, all of a sudden have no water at all. And it's not a very good picture to be in the place where your fruitful land all of a sudden became a desert, but we're commanded to give him thanks when it happens. And again, that doesn't seem like the right answer. It doesn't seem like what we want to do. But it's how he's teaching them. It's how he's guiding them. Um, and so we don't like it. Um, again, being disciplined by God is not necessarily a pleasant thing, but it's a necessary thing. Um, you know, it's interesting. I tell people, you know, you have to realize that God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. You know, he loves us too much not to help us become more Christ-like. Um, and if he sees something that's glowing that needs to be fixed, he's going to fix it. Um, and how he goes about fixing it has a lot to do with our own attitude. Are we willing to be fixed? Or do I want to keep doing it my way because it's my way? You know, I, do, I can think of things in my life where I'm like, eh, I really don't want to fix that right now. I'm really kind of content with it. And he's like, no, this is what we're going to work on. Well, come on. There's so many other things we could work on. Why work on that? Because it's time. Um, but we're not fond of it, right? We read in Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12, says, My children, do not despise discipline from the Lord and do not loathe his rebuke. For the Lord disciplines those he loves just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights, right? If we are to be wise, 
we will learn from the discipline of the Lord and turn away from those behaviors which are inconsistent with his guidance. Um, we don't have to. I mean, we can keep butting our head against the wall, but don't be surprised if the wall doesn't move. Um, now, we have to spend time in his word so we can get there. We talk about his brethren, we're people of the word and of the spirit. Um, and this is the instruction manual, right? Like I said before, basic instructions before leaving earth. Um, and I really encourage you to read this and read it regularly. Um, I try to read it cover to cover at least once every two years. Um, and I read different versions uh, because they say it differently. And I find I'll be in somewhere I'm like, that was never there before. Um, <laughs> you know. The other thing, I, I just recently read a chronological one where instead of all the everything in the way this is, it's actually in the order of history. Really was eye-opening. It really changed a lot of things because I, they, you know, because like, for instance, we have some of the books of history are written from the Northern Kingdom perspective. Others are written from the Southern Kingdom perspective. Well, this is in line with everything that happened historically, right? So it put a lot of context to instruction, things he told you, oh, that makes sense now, right? And then the other part of that is the spirit, right? You can read the word, but then you need to understand it in today's context, and that's where the spirit comes in. That's where spending time resting and being still, which we don't like to do, is how God communicates that. Okay, this is what it says, and this is what I mean. This is how this applies to today's events, right? And then, and, and you have to pray, Lord, help me understand this stuff the way you want me to understand this stuff, right? Help me to do what you want me to do the way you want me to do it, right? And that takes time. And most of us don't want to spend time doing it. Uh, it's our nature. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as everybody here. This is not a, I figured it out, come be like me. I'm, I'm still struggling. Um, and that's what I thought was really interesting. <laughs> the, uh, two weeks ago, I got, a very similar psalm that basically said a lot of the same things. You know, Eric, stop disobeying and do what I tell you and you'll find life is much better. You know, and it's like, um, I, I kind of wonder if, you know, uh, when Dan puts out the preaching schedule, I'm like, oh, Eric could really use this one. Uh, or he just coincidentally happens to handle the ones that I really could use. Um, anyway, it's really great. And that's what I really love about being able to do the message is because it really requires that I spend time in the word and to, to understand things, and that's good for me. Um, and so it's, it's really good. Um, now, even our times when our behaviors are consistent with God, it doesn't guarantee that we won't have troubles, right? Because there's other people, and their behaviors can affect us negatively, right? But we have a good and loving God that understands that, right? And we can tell him. You know, it's interesting to people, I don't know how to pray to God. Just talk to him. Have a conversation. You know, it's like, hey, God, I'm just really pissed off right now. Can I talk to you? Yes, you can. Thank you. And that's okay. He'll listen. You know, he's a big God. You know, you can get mad at God. Trust me, I have. Uh, <laughs> I can remember sitting in an emergency room being, my cell phone was dead and the TV didn't work. And I was like, okay, so you and I can have it out. So, uh, <laughs> so he stole one. All right. Now, what happens if we do it right? Well, let's look the other direction, 35 to 37. As for his people, he turned a desert into a pool of water and dry lands into the springs of water. He allowed the hungry to settle there and they established a city in which to live. They cultivated fields, planted vineyards, which yielded a harvest of fruit. Well, that sounds a whole lot better than the other one. <laughs> right? 
I would much rather have well-watered lands and big orchards than the other way around, right? It's interesting the way this thing starts, right? Because it says, for his people. So who are his people, right? So a good place to land as far as where his people are is to go back to the books of Exodus and Leviticus, right? So Jeremiah 7.23 says, I also explicitly commanded them, obey me. If you do, I will be your God and you will be my people. Live exactly the way I tell you and things will go well with you. Now, New Testament, unlike the Levitical law that had all of its do's and don'ts, we have a much simpler pattern, right? And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? God is interested in us having God-like attitudes, right? So we're to be humble in spirit, not proud or haughty, right? We are to mourn for the lost world. Um, we are to be meek, that is showing patience and gentleness to the world around us. We should hunger and thirst for righteousness, seeking justice for the oppressed world. We should be merciful because we have been shown mercy. We are to be pure in heart, seeking out all that is good uh, and avoiding all that is evil. We are to encourage peace in a world that rages against itself. It's simple. It's not easy. I relate it to, if you wanted to dig your own swimming pool with a pick and shovel, it's simple. It's not easy. It's going to be a lot of work. But the process is simple. Same thing here. The process is simple. It is not easy. But God will turn deserts into well-watered lands. He will plant vineyards and orchards that produce abundantly, and his people will build great cities. Because God loves us and delivers us from our troubles. Now, there's a temptation that may think that, well, because God saves me from everything, it really doesn't matter what I do. Well, no, no, that's why there's consequence. <laughs> yeah, you do what you want, but it's going to come with consequences. Um, and he may rescue you from churning waters, but you're still going to end up cold and wet. How much better not to get in the stormy water in the first place? You know, it's funny, when I look back at my adventure in Kadena, there was one thing that could have saved me from all of that. Check the weather report. Right? <laughs> I'd known there was a tropical storm coming. I wouldn't have gone out in a boat. Right? So where's our weather report? This is our weather report. This is what tells us what's coming, what we're supposed to do. It's better not needing to be rescued. Right? So I want to finish with this verse. Um, it's a common one. Uh, you've heard it many times. And it's Paul's message to his young protege, Timothy. Right? Timothy, if you remember, was young, very skilled, very smart, and, and he's, Paul's grooming him to uh, be in the church at Ephesus. And he says in 2 Timothy verses 3, 14 to 17, it says, You, however, must continue in the things you have learned and are confident about. You know who taught you and how from infancy you have known the holy writings, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. Again, God loves us and delivers us from our troubles. So I encourage you, Read the word. Do what it says. 
If you're uncertain how to move forward, stop, pray, listen. Wait for the answer. Again, God loves us and will deliver us from our troubles. God, we're grateful that you are a powerful and loving God, that you have both justice and love, that you have grace and mercy. We know, Lord, that if we seek you, we seek your guidance, seek your word, that you'll save us from many of the troubles of life. And we also know that when we are in the troubles of life, that you will be there. You never leave us. You never abandon us. You're always there. We're just so grateful for all that you do in your holy and precious name. Amen.